0: On this episode of Star Wars Time Show, the dudes are breaking down Star Wars Resistance, S2E3, Live Fire. You know how they do it? They start with the Easter eggs, then they recap the plot and talk about what they liked or maybe what they didn't dislike. How dare they? You can't dislike anything Star Wars. Cue the music. Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars Time Show. And as you heard, it's time to talk Star Wars Resistance. That's right, we just got the latest episode of the show's second and unfortunately final season dropped. It's S2, E3 for those of you that like to keep score, and it was titled Live Fire. So as we do it, we're gonna start with the Easter eggs, and you know, don't get your hopes up because there weren't many of them. In fact, there were only two. I tried to stretch another one, but I know I covered it earlier, and it was a Salacious Crumb, uh, yeah, Salacious Crumb poster and ANZs. I don't want to retread stuff. So only two eggs, but there were some good ones. So we're going to do that, and then we're going to go ahead and get on with the recap of what happened in Live Fire. All right, Nick, so like I said, man, not not too many Easter eggs and franchise references in this episode, um, but the two that we got were, were pretty good. Straight in your face I don't know I think the one Might have been a little hidden But the other one You couldn't have missed it So Not a great episode In terms of The the little Fandom type of nuggets You can get from Resistance
1: Yeah yeah But What you do have here Is an Easter egg That goes so far back in time that there's not even an age title for it. I mean, we were sitting here yesterday oh, yeah, that's right. in we, our two-hour cast. We were talking, fumbling through that on the on the last episode, which yeah. age is which. Yeah, but if, if you're going to call it anything, we'll call it the Age of the Old Republic because we're going back to a <laughs> T3-M4 reference, particularly with Freya's droid, T3-K10. So if you, either place will go, you've played... Old Republic, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic—you'll—you'll you'll recognize the T three droid type that Freya sports in this episode. So again, Matt is on top of it. Great catch there. You know
0: what? I mean, obviously the the KOTOR stuff is no longer canon or anything, but it—it'd be crazy to think if it's if it still was that these Astromechs kept their designations for thousands of years yeah exactly like like the t3 with the flat heads were t3s way the fuck back then just like they are now
1: yeah and they just keep changing the letters and the numbers on the back end they're like all right well t3 and just whatever k10 m4 n5 like they just never updated so uh, my favorite are still
0: the R2s i
1: mean i, I just
0: I, I don't know what would you what is chopper's de- designation
1: that's a good question i mean we're is we're, he an oh, R4
0: yeah. with like a modified
1: stumpy body i mean his head's kind of R4ish it, it is so so <laughs> i mean obviously his his technical designation is c one Oh, 10 no shit. So he's he's a, his own model then Yeah, he's a, so he's a C1 series astromech Got it. Um, But if we look at it, there's really There's no other notable C1 droids It says um, right here Oh, it says behind the scenes In the Italian translation of the original Star Wars trilogy All astromech droids are called C1 units so, well, yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pretty deep fucking cut. Yeah, it's a it's deep like, ass all right, cut. whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So technically in the Italian version, R2-D2 was C1P8. So I, don't, I have no idea if, if so, they... So there's
0: people over in Italy right now. Nick, why did you, how did you not find these posters of, of C1P1 or whatever he was?
1: I don't know. I can't believe, I, if I would have looked this up before, I would have worn an R2-D2 shirt yeah, in, in like, Italy. And see who the what fuck is that,
0: to. dude? That's C one, bro. What do you mean R two D two? Yeah, it's you clearly,
1: clearly not not correct in in Italy. But you know, looks like Chopper's got his own little designation here. He's I, the only uh, you know, C that, model. That I love it. He is. It's he's so cool Chopper
0: name. too, because yeah. that's how Chopper is I mean, He is the most curmudgeonly droid yet. I <laughs> mean, he, he thought R two had a little attitude to him it's I am close to to chopper I, I loved i mean floney voiced him is, is perfect chopper is like the old man
1: yeah and he's always got his little claw hands waving <laughs> in, right, in right. The air. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i love it i love that little dude but i mean oh boy what's
0: the one in in resistance called yeager's jury is it bucket Bucket is yeah the one without. Yeah, I, I'm his I'm head a fan missing. of his too. I mean, he, he probably is old as old as dirt, but he he seems to be a little wonky. Oh, that's right. He he is kind of goofy because when it last season, like BB-8 basically would would help him around and stuff. Yeah. if his
1: helmet fell off, or maybe was, it was CB.
0: I that mean, was. But your... one of the ball droids were.
1: It was it was CB and that was like one thing that you pointed out in a lot of our recapture. You're like, look if you look in the background, you can see like CB like Bucket dropped his helmet and CB's like chasing behind him with it to try to get him right. back. So he's an R one unit Bucket. Um, so he's the same series of astromech that, that R2-D2 is, but clearly he's beat to hell and he's an older model than R2, Yeah, I seems. just
0: love that he chooses to not wear his dome and he just, he, he, he throws on a pilot helmet.
1: Yeah, I know. It's just a, a, a nice fantastic. little homage to his owner. <laughs> <He's> fantastic. So. <laughs> All yeah. right. So
0: there you go. You got a little juice out of that Easter egg. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think if it, if it weren't for Swago, I don't even know if I would remember T3-M4, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not somebody that you leave in your party when you're playing through KOTOR. Like, he's he's pretty useful when it comes to, like, unlocking doors or slicing computers and stuff like that. But typically, if you are—and he's required for some of the missions, yes— but typically, when you're playing through the game, you're you're more than likely going to have Bastilla in your party, and then you're going to have somebody else. I mean, whether it be Mission or Kandris. Speaking card of that, I card. need to fire up my playthrough again because now with uh, uh,
0: yeah iOS 13, I can connect a, an Xbox One or a PS4 controller right to my iPad now.
1: That is, yeah. That is so, I mean, that, that's,
0: that's 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 just money right there. That's or, gonna be or I, could, I think I could airplay it then right to my TV. Not that I couldn't have just played my damn disc on my Xbox One, but hey, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get you right. You gotta own Star Wars games at least three or four times.
1: Yeah, you gotta have it through different different channels, different devices. All. I,
0: I'm Xbox. sure it's on my iMac through Steam. When I, you know, one of the summers during a Steam sale, I'm sure I bought the Star Wars bundle.
1: Oh, yeah, I have KOTOR through Steam Bundle, and I have it on my phone, on my yeah, I, I've probably
0: thing. bought the Star Wars <laughs> Steam Bundle multiple times at this point, just keep they, rebuying the same shit over yeah, and over. Yeah,
1: they just keep, like, they'll add, like, one game to it, and they're like, okay, well, I guess I gotta get it again. Here <laughs> yeah, <we go."> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't get this game anyway else. Yeah. I have
0: to do it. So I gotta get All the All right, so... Back to the Easter eggs. in the final one here, like I said, my friends, it was it was pretty lacking in Easter eggs. And, and I always watch the episodes twice. This is the other thing that's kind of given me a little bit of heartburn about Mandalorian. It's like, man, am I going to have to do the, the double rewatch like I do with Resistance? And, it, it, and honestly, I'll, I'll kind of peel the curtain back a little bit. <laughs> one, one of the main reasons I do the second rewatch is so I can grab screenshots from my stream using PSV on my computer. Yeah, that's I mean, it, that's, that's one of the reasons I watch it twice. So I'm not like, fuck, I'm going to have to watch an hour-long show twice to do this shit. So, hey, I do it for you. I do it for the love of Star Wars, my friends. It's always time watch, for Star Wars time, too. One watch with the kid, one watch without the kid. Yep, something like that. <laughs> All right. So uh, last but not least, though, dude, we, we learned, you know, that the episode kind of dealt with some pilot training on, on both sides, good side, bad side. But uh, in particular on the bad side, we learned that the First Order uses straight up T-85 X-Wing drones for training. So, I mean, that, that, that was a pretty clear reference to the ship that the New Republic and the Resistance uses.
1: Yeah, and it's pretty clever on the First Order side, too, because if you're going to train, you might as well train against what you're going to be fighting against in the air. So, no reason putting TIE fighters against TIE fighters, you know, or, you know, training TIE pilots versus other people in TIE fighters. You know, put them up against these ships. I wonder, I mean, granted, they probably commandeered them through capturing pilots during battle. Oh, dude, um, I'm sure they just pay
0: for them i mean they pretty much
1: set up in tlj that weapons dealers don't give a
0: fuck who they're selling it to right i mean that that was the whole point of canto bite and yeah and and dj or whatever the hell yeah
1: so So. yeah that's a good call yeah so it's but it is it's very interesting did you notice that they they had modified tails
0: though in terms they kind of had like extra spoilers coming out of their afterburners i believe
1: I'd have to go back and check it. I'm scrolling through the vid right now your your Easter egg video and I think you think you captured a screenshot of it but um, I didn't notice it upon first watch but granted yeah I check check it.
0: around like 124 126 if you're looking at the Easter Egg vid you, you can kind of see extra spoilers if you will Let's popping see. off the wings. I'm loading it up
1: now but yeah. Okay, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it is. It's like additional little, little You can get like an even better
0: X's. shot at 147. And if you're watching along at home, my friends, this would be in the Star Wars Resistance Easter egg breakdown for the episode, which is up on the site or on YouTube. But yeah, at the 147 mark, you can see it very clearly. It's, I mean, who knows? Maybe the Resistance has never just deployed these or if that's what happens when they're in autopilot mode. But yeah, it I, could I be. That was, it could interesting. be interesting. I like their paint jobs too. I mean, yeah, the I'm, blue I'm and the red. Fan. Like
1: the huge. one that you have at 140 in the video looks really cool. I mean, obviously it's a close-up shot, but I really like that blue, that like light light blue color. Yeah, that it. was
0: just a, like the example of hey, this is what the T85s look like, and here you have the first order essentially yeah. using the exact model for training,
1: which is ingenious, right? I mean, you might as well, as Nick said. Yeah, I mean, it's a good good plan by by the uh, first order, but. Like you mentioned, man, this is a pretty light Easter egg day. But then again, you know, kind of moving into the recap and review for this episode. This this episode, we spent a lot of time in the air. So you weren't really, you know, on the ground too much. You weren't exploring a lot of different locations because, like you mentioned, this episode really focuses on the flight training. The, you know, the combat training for the First Order pilots versus the you know, the resistance pilots, the Colossus pilots, the aces, and, you know, along with Yeager and Kaz. So it was a, it was a pretty interesting episode, not too much going on. Yeah, I'd say interesting
0: is a good way to phrase it. It wasn't a very exciting episode. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of tension, I would say. Yeah, Uh, but it is interesting. It's, you can see what they're doing here in this second season. This kind of what I, I mentioned in the recap, they're or my review they're, they're they're they've created two two plot threads like main plot threads. You have the Tam side and obviously the Kaz side. And this episode in particular really ran with mirroring the plots for yeah. the first time. In terms of we we're witnessing Tam train with her new squadron. And Kaz training with his new squadron, because as we learn at the onset of the episode, Doza has made Yeager the Aces squadron leader and added Kaz to the squadron to kind of help them become better combat pilots. So both groups needed to learn how to be fighters in the air, but... It, it was it was a cool dynamic in this episode of how they they mirrored them but showed how different it is to train with the first order versus the resistance.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, even within the the resistance side of things, you kind of got a I, don't, I would say like a behind the scenes look at how the empire used to do things through um, the former imperial pilot that's on the the aces squad. Here. Yeah, Griff. Yeah, Griff, so yeah. Uh, you know. Episode opens up, the Aces
0: are all kind of feeling sorry for themselves, and, and Doza, like I said, comes in and makes the announcement. But, yeah, Griff early on is like, listen up, people. We need to learn how to get better at combat because th- these people like the First Order or the Empire when I was in it, they will hunt you down and stamp you out. They yeah. don't care how small you are, insignificant. If you're against them, you will suffer.
1: Exactly, and he said a little bit later, too, you know, one of the things that, that Doza and that Kaz really harps on during the training is teamwork. Like, we have to work as a team. And, again, Griff comes back after somebody says something to him. You know, I think it was Hype said. It's Hype. I mean, yeah. Hype kind of got a lead in this
0: episode, which I mentioned I kind of appreciate because a lot of times you're going to get typically Kaz and Niku on the good guy side and clearly Tam. And it seems like Rocklin has become her uh, companion on the bad side but yeah. you don't always get kind of the tertiary characters the I mean they're they're prominent characters but they're, they're not the main so it, hype kind of got the spotlight in this episode and it started right at the beginning and I I will give hype credit and I, I can't believe we haven't come or stumbled upon this name for cash yet but I love I, I really love the the opening segment and just seeing Hype's reaction to Kaz being added to the aces but when he says calls him Kaz tastrophe Yeah. I was like that's <laughs> just that really is too perfect for
1: Kaz. I know. That is an excellent nickname. I mean we've we've talked about his clumsy like basically his personality played out in his actions so many different times and never came up with the term catastrophe so that's all credit to the star wars resistance writers there for pulling that one yeah, out but Yeah, well
0: that's probably why they're writing on a show and you and i are doing a podcast that like 10 people listen to so. exactly
1: yeah. it is what it is right
0: you get yeah. what you pay for people that's why this shit's free all yeah. right, so as the episode continues on, like I said, it, it flipped over to the other plot, which is Tam, and we see her and Rucklin and some rando who are rushing off the training. And, and what do we learn here, Nick? We got a, a brand new First Order officer character yes, in Lieutenant Gallic, who yes. is definitely as cold as ice when it comes to training her TIE pilot.
1: Yeah, she is definitely not like Agent Tierney in any way, who is looking, I wouldn't say to coddle, Tam along. Oh no, she. I mean, she's purposely
0: playing up or playing to Tam's emotions, as we discussed last week, for sure. Yeah,
1: this Lieutenant Gallic gives no shits about Tam at all. Like she said, when you have like they talk about when you put this uniform on, you know, and these particular pilots haven't even earned the right to wear the uniform. That's kind of how the first order looks at it. You know, you weren't, you haven't trained yet, you haven't gotten your your, um, stars, your wings yet to fly for us. So you don't even deserve to be wearing the uniform and we're, they're going to put them through their paces to see now who is going to become the squad leader of this little training. Uh, you yeah. Know, I this mean, she's training. as
0: first order as it gets, right? I yeah. mean, she's almost like a little phasma clone. I mean, no, <laughs> yeah. no nonsense, take no bullshit type of first order officer.
1: Yeah, so while we see the cold as ice Gallic on the First Order side, we kind of get to see the the formation and the training plan that Yeager puts together on the aces side of things. And basically what he says is, all right, guys, you guys think you're hot shit, specifically you hype, here's what we'll do. We're going to do an exercise in teams, except the teams are going to be every ace versus me and Kaz. I like that. I like Kaz. Like,
0: all right, well... I'll take Kaz-tastrophe, as you people call him, but at least he is a combat pilot, and we'll take on what it was like the five or six of them. Yeah, was... and they take them on, and they pretty much wipe them out. I mean, as soon as this exercise starts, Kaz is is what wiped out Griff, and then I think Frey went after that, and then once it got the hype and tour, it was just it was just over, and we're back on the Colossus with hype essentially quitting the Aces I mean leaving the squadron as it was set up as a combat force
1: yeah it's and this is just to show you I mean hype obviously is the big personality of the group during the training session he disrupts Tora at the very end Tora had a clear shot at Kaz to take him out and then all of a sudden hype kind of buzzes in in front of her blocks the shot and then gets both of them taken out eventually. And in Hype's mind, like he is, he's the one, he's the guy. He shouldn't be. It's following like you said, Twitter's. Hype
0: was still flying as if he were a racer and not yes. a combat p- pilot trying to keep his friends alive and protect the Colossus.
1: Yeah, that was a perfect way to put it. And, and like you mentioned, he, he couldn't take that criticism. He couldn't take basically allowing himself to take a backseat or become a team member. Um, so he left. He just goes to Aunt Z's bar. He's like, "I'm the fuck out of here." Sits at the bar, asks for the spiciest drink she's got, which happens to be water because there's nothing else. And then he has a little conversation with Kaz as Kaz kind of saunters over there. But um, it was very interesting to see how you know the not only the uh, the Aces reacted to the beating that they took at the hands of Kaz and Yeager, but but how hype handled it specifically oh yeah i mean
0: hype hype handled it like an asshole i mean literally he, he basically stormed off and quit even when kaz came in like hey man what's up he, he still is like get the fuck away from me see when my thing starts twitching that means i hate you yeah so it wasn't until Tora came in and kind of talked him down i mean l- let's face it Tora's is probably the most skilled and and well put together person in the aces i mean she should probably be the leader outside I mean under under Yeager I mean I get why Yeager's the leader but I mean she she knew exactly what she was doing when she was kind of talking hype down I mean she knew what to say to get him to come back so I I'm becoming a bigger fan of, of Tori this season as she is getting more screen time with Tam being on the bad side
1: yeah yeah she's she's a really good character and like you mentioned kind of the way that she approached hype was like hey even though you are this flashy asshole at times, I wouldn't want anybody else on my wing. Right, she, still, she played yeah. to his ego. It was exactly. a perfect
0: play. I mean, she knew exactly what to say. So um, we, we flip back over to the First Order run, and you, and you got Tam out there, and we're, we're getting to see her fly out. And I, I love seeing this. I mean, I've always talked about how I love the Empire First Order aesthetic in their vehicles and in their armor, this, that, and the other thing. So I love getting to see her get in a tight cockpit, get some shots in the cockpit. But Tam kind of proved that she knows what the fuck she's doing when she's behind the yoke.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this, this little scene kind of gives you that juxtaposition that first order versus resistance type of thing. The first order all about competition. Whoever kills the most drones gets squad leader. The resistance is we have to work as a team. If we don't work as a team, we all fail. So It's a really good mirroring, like you mentioned at the very beginning of the recap and review, of the two sides of the story here. Tam's side on the First Order, Kaz's side on the Resistance. And as this scene plays out, you get to see exactly how the First Order thinks about things. I mean, Tam gets a quick two drone kills right up front. And also, by the way, they're using live fire. This is where probably the title of this uh, episode comes from. On the resistance side, they're using stun, you know, stun shots while they're training to make sure nobody gets hurt. On the first order side, live fire—you're blowing up these drones. If somebody gets in your way and you kill them, they're dead. That's their fault. So um, it was really cool to see that juxtaposition and see Tam finally, like you said, take her place behind. Uh, the yoke of a ship, and then perform excellently. Like oh, she, she was, wipes- she was
0: kicking ass. I mean, as you said, the, the first orders focus on competition is ultimately what would cost her becoming squadron leader. Because as they're doing this, dipshit Rucklin, like I, I still don't even know how he got bumped out, or if someone hit him, or if he clipped something. But essentially, he goes into a tailspin, and his tie is is going to crash. And Tam, being Tam, I mean, she's she hasn't been conditioned yet. She's not first order brainwashed. She naturally goes and saves him and, and gets him into the docking bay, this, that, and the other thing. But this clearly pissed off Gallic because, you know, Pyre's there watching this exercise and is like, oh, hey, she's pretty good. And then all that shit happens with Gallic's star pupil. And, you know, Gallic didn't quite appreciate that. And as, as you said earlier, she busted Tam's ass down from getting Squadron Leader to not getting it because of trying to save Rucklin because, as she said, we got to call the weak so the First Order can get as strong as possible.
1: Exactly. So what Tam thinks is a good thing to do and what most military people think would be a good thing to do to save a man actually cost her. So, again, the ruthlessness of the First Order comes out in a very uh, detrimental way for Tam. But, yeah, I mean, it, it just goes to show you and it goes to, you know, to show why these people on the, you know, the dark side, the bad side of the force or the, you know, the galaxy tend to splinter a little bit easier than those on the good side because they are so ruthless. They are, you know, every man for themselves, even though we are supposed to be a cohesive uh, yeah, unit. I was if I
0: was Finn, I'd get my ass out of there too. The place sounds like it sucks, and we're seeing it through Tam's eyes. It does suck, especially if you're not kidnapped and brainwashed.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I wouldn't a really want to cool be scene. it
0: with the First Order if I wasn't brainwashed.
1: No, absolutely not. I mean, it was a really cool scene to see. And like you said, Pyre and, and Gallic really laid into her. And that's not something she's used to, especially with Tyranny kind of babying her along so far. Um, so that was a really interesting scene on the First Order side. And then we switch back over to the Resistance side with a new... Um, a new lineup here, a new training exercise that now places everybody in squads of two. So instead of having all of the aces versus Kaz and Yeager, you have everybody teamed up, and the teams end up being Kaz and Hype, Tora and Griff, and then you had Freya and God, I can't remember the other. Um, the other, I think I heard him called Bo. They might be, yeah. Okay, so Bo, so just Frey, go with Bo because yeah.
0: he hardly even is a background character. I mean, he—I think he got a line out in this episode, but that's—I think the most he's spoken in two seasons.
1: Yeah. So Frey and Bo, and then you kind of have um, Yeager overseeing everything. Um, so they, you know, they get on, and basically the way that it goes is, you know, whoever the last surviving squad is, they're they're the winners. They're the ones who you know, win this exercise. Right.
0: I, I love how Yeager after Hype kinda finally came back after Tora gave him a little talking to. I, I do like how Yeager made Kaz his his squad leader. Yeah. Because it, he I mean he knew the friction between the two and he really wanted those gentlemen or dude and alien to kind of work out their problems in this mission.
1: Yeah, and now Kaz has to not only rein in Hype who he knows is kind of a hothead, but Hype has to learn to work with somebody who is more skilled than him in, in a, you know, in a live kind of, you know, combat exercise. So it was a really good pairing on that side. And right off the bat, Kaz and Hype get ambushed by Tor and Griff. Um, but the whole exercise is kind of thrown for a loop when this, the, the way that you put it is actually good, because I, I was struggling to think of how to fucking identify this thing. But it's like a manta, like a giant white manta ray whale shark Yeah, that's That's what I—manta whale shark, something like that. Just fucking flying through the air, shows up out of nowhere. This is not part of the exercise, so now everybody legitimately has to work together to try to, you know, save themselves from this giant thing that showed up.
0: Yeah, and this thing isn't going away, by the way. um, It's—if you watched the clip today, if you follow us on StarWarsTime.net, or socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook— uh, the new clips come out every Wednesday, so I threw it up there. And they're going right back to that planet and dealing with this big-ass thing. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it comes in and it grabs Yeager, which kind of makes Kaz the de facto squad leader. But even he, you know, his brain's fritzing out. So, who comes in and saves the day with an idea? Well, it's the guy that's kind of been the stick-in-the-mud-the-whole-time hype, right? I mean, hype, hype finally takes charge realizes that he's got to work with his as they call him wingmates to enact this plan to take out this manta whale shark thing that basically is carrying yeager away as if it were a mother eagle bringing back breakfast for its babies yeah
1: so the the plan's pretty straightforward if you've if you're watching the episode you notice that throughout their combat exercises on the resistance side they're flying in and out of these giant ice pillars So they're kind of using them for cover, ducking in and out, and it kind of makes the combat dynamic because it's, you know, there are things in the field and people can use them in their maneuvers. So instead of using it in a maneuver, what Hype says is let's blast one of these things down and make it fall on this giant mana ray. So it releases Yeager's, um, Yeager's ship and then we can all get away in turn. And, you know, Hype organizes the, the aces and Kaz and, blasts the the ice pillar and then bam plan goes as is and like you say matt miller time damn Here straight we go.
0: miller time everyone you got to know what miller time means I, I i don't think a lot of people do
1: it's time to sit right? down it's time to have a brewski yeah it's miller time. mission I mean, complete
0: what what movie was that from though oh jesus i i believe it's ghostbusters Oh, yeah, or it was. Alien it was or Aliens. Dan. I think it was it's basically, Dan Aykroyd. yeah, when they went, it's like, it's, you know, it's a Miller time. It's also saying, I, my stump buddy told me, but, but you know, those silly shows uh, like uh, NCIS, whatever, City, I mean, there's, they're, they're Miller time shows where it's like, okay, there's all this problems and then you go in, kick-ass Miller time, we win, yeah. essentially. Yeah so uh, it was, yeah uh, yeah Miller time so I mean the aces they they pulled together hype at the end finally realizes that hey all right we we actually can do some good we can be pretty dangerous if we work as a team and even full fully embraces Kaz into the group
1: yeah so I mean it was a good way to close out the episode it was a good it was a good episode that really does harp on that that Storyline, those two storylines that we're going to be following throughout the rest of this season, which is you know Kaz and the Resistance versus Tam and the First Order, and seeing how those play out. Obviously, things are already starting to make a turn for the worse on the First Order side, so it's only a matter of time before Tam starts looking for a way out.
0: I'm with you. At one point in time, I thought maybe Tam would go full nuts, but you, you can see they're they're planting the seeds that she's realizing I think deep down she already regrets her decision to just blindly trust this uh, imposing military force just because they told her they're doing the right thing because they're keeping people safe.
1: Yeah exactly so um, a solid episode not really anything that's going to further the plot not really action packed either but it is a good one that sets up um, furthering the storyline on the First Order side so I mean I think the review score that you gave it was fitting, a 6.5 out of 10. There wasn't a ton of great stuff in here. The story was pretty light. Um, And the best thing, I mean, really, you know, the best thing that we got to see is we got to see a lot of, you know, dogfighting, quote unquote, in a way. A lot of, you know, ship training people. Yeah, I'm always about
0: ship battles of any kind. I mean, in particular, the the First Order stuff was was excellent to see. Plus, they're in space. It was a lot cooler looking than... Flying around, fighting these big ass crazy hybrid monster things.
1: So. Yeah. So, one thing that I did want to ask you, Matt, before we kind of close it out is, do you remember? Okay, we just went over the Trost stuff. We saw that one shot of all the ships. Do you think that the Colossus is somewhere in there? Because I didn't, I didn't really. Fucking a, dude. Look to great point. That. Yeah. I mean, you would think it. It. It should be. I mean it's a giant circle, so <laughs> like I'm looking around, I mean I mean I'm looking at some of the shots. There's a lot of circles. I mean circles it's there. like a huge fucking Speed. tire spike, you know, or like a railroad
0: spike. I mean that's really what the Colossus looks okay, like. Okay. It's yeah, fucking that's...
1: huge. So I I wanna re examine those images and see if I can uh, yeah. find the the because,
0: yeah, I mean this season I still just goes up through the end of the Last Jedi, I believe. I don't know if it's going like to maybe have a little—would uh, that be a prologue, if you will—that kind of leads us through that year right up to the events of of Tross. But how, man, if the Ghost can make it, you you would hope the Colossus gets there, unless they have plans to to blow it up at some point in time before this series ends.
1: Yeah, yeah, something to do. Something. But yeah, that, to that's that's that's
0: interesting thought there. I'll Good one, Nick. You've earned your paycheck this week.
1: There we go. I mean, I'm looking at the picture now, and there's a lot of things that are. That oh, dude, could that picture like such it. a clusterfuck. I,
0: I love the people <laughs> that sat down and, and broke that shit apart. It was just unreal.
1: I'm looking at one guy, so I'll just throw it. Admiral Nick 22 on, um, on Nick Twitter. Nick promoting Nick. Yeah, on Twitter. I mean, the guy definitely, I mean, he's got, you know. Eighteen hundred followers, but he went through and he broke down the that entire like ship break. You know all of the ships. He circled as many of them as he could and said like, "This is what this is. This is what this is." And I'm trying to see if we get through it. Star Fortress bomber, blah blah blah. We have a Mando ship in there. Ship from the Mandalorian. He says so. He circles one, assuming that it's the Raven. Uh, is it the Raven Crest? Razor. Razor. Razor Crest. crest. Razor Crest. Um, I don't see anything that is listed as the Colossus on there. So I
0: really wouldn't be surprised if they blow it up. And I think it'd be a scuttle job just to make sure that the first order does not get it as a refueling station that can, you know, jump, jump, make the jump, to hyperspace so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we could see, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that this image is any sort of indication that the Colossus may not be around, um, You heard it here, people. (laughs) The Colossus
0: confirmed it is going to be in the climax of the Rise of Skywalker. There it is. So, um, yeah, I mean, all right, that does it, man. Right? I mean, that that kind of puts this Resistance recap to bed, my friends. Uh, I do want to kind of put out a a note here. Nick and I talked before we came online that we're we're probably going to be altering the format of the Resistance recap. Probably still going to call it that, even though we're not really going to do a full-on recap anymore, and that's really just to account for what's coming up here with The Mandalorian November and just thinking about all the content. And honestly, my friends, uh, yours truly right here, I I do a full-on recap in video form or scripted if you want to read it every Monday right after the episode. So we were just kind of doing double duty here. So what we're going to do moving forward with these types of, of special series podcasts on Star Wars time is more or less highlight our favorite aspects, moments, or even lowlights of an episode and just kind of have the discussion revolve around that. So hopefully you keep coming back. Don't worry. I'll, I'll keep doing the recaps, like I said, typically the day after the episodes of Resistance airs, and, and I will be looking to do that as well with The Mandalorian. But in between now and then, please head on over to StarWarsTime.net, poke around a little bit, you know, I'm not even going to tell you to subscribe yet because I know that's kind of become the thing here at the end. I see a few of you. We got Baron's Black Series now. He, he's got the message. He's putting it out. Listen, sub, like, rate, and review. It's become kind of like my sign-off thing, like a Johnny Carson deal or whatever. But seriously, we need it. I mean, we, we don't ask for money. The, the, the least you could do is give it a like, give it a rating, give it a review. But while you're on Star Wars Time.net, just look at the other content. We're not just a podcast. We do the video stuff, and we just cover all things awesome in the land of Star Wars. So, sub up, like up, rate it if you want, review it if you want. It all helps your homies at the Star Wars Time Show. Speaking of which, if you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you, always.